Computers number 192 as we change the order of service. Stand if you like. God has been my refuge daily. God has been my hiding place. He will ever lead me onward. He We'll just mention this, that last song that we sung there, that 192, the elder David P. Bridgman, Bridgman, I'm sorry, David P. Bridgman, uh, he would have been the writer of those words. I know Elder Ronald Green is not necessarily a songwriter, he is an arranger, and so he had he was, he's on the right, so I, I'm guessing 
that we can look at the, uh, the name on the left as the one that wrote the words. That might not be true in all cases, but um, it is on that one. Um, I've had uh, mind about me to preach on our what we might call our our central doctrines uh, over the last well, it's been a while now because we we were out two Sundays. Um, <clears throat> I really hated to miss last Sunday, especially since it warmed up so much last Sunday. But if y'all have seen the parking lot, there was it was impassable. Um, Saturday night and so I didn't think it would be any better Sunday morning um, but I am glad to be back today uh, I've been preaching through as I mentioned our sort of what we call our central or, or core doctrines we uh, some people call them uh, the five points of Calvinism I, I typically don't use that term unless I'm talking to a Calvinist, because we are not Calvinists, because a Calvinist will interpret these points a good bit different than we do. Uh, I prefer to call them um, the doctrines of grace, which is what they are. Um, this is the last one of the five points, and it's the, the P and the TULIP acronym. Uh, so you have... T, total depravity, U, unconditional election, L, limited atonement, I, irresistible grace, and then the last one is the P, and we call it, if I can find it with my eyeballs, but we don't really call it this, but it is the perseverance of the saints. Uh, many modern-day primitive Baptists have sort of moved away from that word perseverance and, and prefer to use the term preservation of the saints. Both start with P. Both in the original, I think, mean exactly the same thing. The reason why many have moved from perseverance to preservation is because the word preservation more clearly uh, uh, portrays the doctrine in modern terms than the word persevere does. Typically, when we think about persevere, we think of hanging on. Um, but in the original, and I want to read our point, and it's article number six in our abstract of principles. We have 10 articles. And number six deals with this particular point, and it says, We believe that the saints shall persevere in grace and never finally fall away. And see, that's the idea, that's the truth, is we will be held by grace and never fall. Never. The again, a lot of modern day uh, teachings will use the terminology. Uh, once saved, always saved. Our uh, Southern Baptist friends are very uh, adamant about that particular point of the doctrine. I think since there are no Southern Baptists here, I'm going to go ahead and say this. I think they're one of the most dishonest denominations in the entire world. Um, 
they are not honest with their doctrine for sure. Uh, how can you believe that you get yourself into something but you can't get yourself out of it? How in the world can you believe that as a doctrine? The sad part is the vast majority of, of, of people that are, I guess, evangelical believe that today. That you can get yourself into God's salvation. You have to get yourself in, but you can't get yourself out. So it's your choice to come in, but once you do, you can't choose to go back out. Now, there are many older uh, than the Southern Baptists, older denominations that still, that are at least honest with their doctrine. I'll, I'll use the Free Will Baptists as an example there. Uh, they are uh, kind of a modern version of the General Baptists. I don't know if you know uh, what they are or really any distinction between the two. Uh, there are very, very few General Baptist churches around probably fewer general Baptist churches than there are primitive Baptist churches. I don't really know why. I think just because they're just, well, honestly, I don't know why. I can't say. But they, they are full Armenians, and so they teach, at least they're honest, they teach that it is, you have to, you have, you're the one that gets yourself in to salvation. In other words, you have to choose salvation and not only do you have to choose it, but you have to hang on to it. You have to maintain it. You have to uh, make sure that you don't fall away yourself because you can. And so they teach that. And obviously that is the polar opposite of what uh, primitive Baptists believe and teach. Uh, that is uh, definitely not what this statement says. And we, we still, Lord willing, we still believe these points and we will maintain these points as, as our formal doctrine um, until we are convinced otherwise or until we die. Um, so with that said, um, what is the preservation of the saints? Uh, I got another little thing here that I've used several times. It just gives a little definition here. It says the preservation of the saints is all the elect of God shall be kept by God. Now there's the key. When it says, when our, when our point of doctrine says we shall persevere in grace, it means we'll be, we will continue to be held by the grace of God. It says all the elect of God shall be kept by God and shall be eternally saved. However, this is to clarify, this is, was written by uh, Elder Gus Harder, he is a, is a primitive Baptist. He, we might not agree with him on every single thing he's ever taught. But this is a pretty good one here. Um, they shall be eternally saved. However, he has a however there. They may walk in darkness and disobedience, losing the joy of their salvation in their timely existence. Now that... I think is probably the second thing that where we really differ from most all other denominations in the world today. Brother Adam and I were speaking about this a little bit before everybody else got here this morning. Uh, so few people have any concept of salvation in time. What is salvation in time? What does that mean? 
Salvation in time is simply this. It is a blessing or deliverance above and beyond what you would have got had you not obeyed God. So it requires active obedience. You have to, you have to hear God. So you can't have time. There is no timely salvation apart from understanding. And there is no timely salvation apart from obedience. There is a timely chastisement. God will chastise those. Again, Scripture teaches that those who didn't know will be beaten with few stripes, but those who did know and still don't obey, they'll be beaten with many stripes. That's timely salvation, okay? That is timely salvation is what that is. It is, uh, it is a thing, it is a concept that I think few people understand. It is a concept that few in the world get. Um, but still, it is uh, the truth of what Scripture teaches. Uh, all It's how God works. That's how God deals with His people who know Him personally, who have an understanding of what it is He desires, and who either obey or disobey. So that, that is timely salvation in a nutshell. Um, obviously, the, the opposite or the the distinguishing, the thing that is distinguished from, or the type of salvation that is distinguished from uh, timely salvation is what we're talking about today, is the thing that we persevere in, and that is eternal salvation. All eternal salvation is just that. It's eternal. It, it can't be eternal if you can lose it, right? I mean, doesn't that, I mean that just makes sense. If, it's, if you can lose it, it would be Temporary, eternal. And those two things, those two phrases, that would be an oxymoron. Those two don't even go together. You can't have a temporary something that's eternal. So salvation, the salvation that this particular doctrine applies to is that of eternal salvation. And so if we, when we take into consideration all of those various points of doctrine, um, we are totally depraved by nature. There is nothing we could do in and of ourselves uh, to get into this salvation and the fact that we were chosen unconditionally it wasn't based on something that we were doing or that we would do or that we might do scripture makes that clear that, that God chose us in spite of who we were in, in fact when we were his enemies he chose us he died for us we weren't, we weren't turning towards him we weren't trying to appease him we weren't looking for options to get into his love, we were his enemies, and he, he, Christ died for us. So you come back to that, and he, Christ, the next point, the limited atonement, Christ paid the full price for all of those that would be. Um, and then when he applies it to us through his grace, uh, irresistible grace, as we use the example or the text from John 3, uh, over and over and over, it's so simple uh, that you have to really go out of your way to mess it up. When John, Jesus says to Nicodemus, the wind bloweth where it listeth, thou hear the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. 
when it's applied irresistibly like that, Jesus emphatically says that everyone that has been born of the Spirit was born that way. When you think about all of those things, that it is God doing that, and you think about who God is, it just makes sense that if he's the one that got us there, he'll make sure we stay. I'm going to, uh, that's the idea. Actually, actually, before I talk a little bit about, I've got several scriptures. You know, I preach by bookmark. I've got a lot of bookmarks in my Bible here. Uh, before I uh, get into the, a few of these scriptures about uh the, the talk about this concept of uh, preservation and how we are preserved and it, it's not us that hold ourselves, it is God that keeps us. I just want to talk about what preservation is not. Um, I mentioned the fact that we are not Calvinists. We are, we are uh, because Calvinists view this doctrine drastically different than we do. Um, they're more closer akin to our uh, uh, the wayward primitive Baptists that uh, we know as absoluters. Um, but the Calvinists will say that we will continue uh, all of our lives to not fall away, to, to always be faithful all of our lives because God has made us that way. And if we fall away, it's because uh, we never were really uh, one of God's children. Um, the, one of their the key verses that they use uh, in the New, is in the New Testament. Um, let's see. 1 John chapter 2. And, I, and you have to keep this in context, okay? But they don't, I don't believe. Uh, little children, it is the last time. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, beginning. Little children, it is the last time. And as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us. Now, who's he talking about here? He's talking about these people who are Antichrist, who are uh, teaching false doctrine he says but they were not of us they went out from us but they were not of us for if they had been of us they would no doubt have continued with us but they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not of us now you know that's you could probably make a pretty good argument for that the idea that okay either you were or you were not but then again, we have to remember that were or were not outwardly is what? It's just that. It's an outward thing. Okay? It is a demonstration of your current state of mind. Well, the Apostle Paul, when he uh, teaches us about the salvation that we have, uh, he says that this salvation, and I'm going to just read this real quickly because it tells us exactly what the issue is. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1, beginning, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved. You're saved by this gospel. This is the same kind of thing that 
John was talking about there. When they left, when they departed, they obviously didn't have the right thing. Well, what is it that they didn't have? This saving, the saving that they didn't have that Paul's teaching us about here is a time saving because he says, we're by which also you are saved if. So the, the word if there means that this saving is a conditional saving, one that you only get if this condition is met, and it is not eternal. How can I say that it's not eternal? Because eternal salvation is not conditional. It's not. Well, okay. It is conditional. <laughs> it's conditioned on God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We are none of those three. Okay? This is a time salvation. This is a salvation that we have here in time if we keep in memory what Paul has preached unto us. It's the only way we get that kind of salvation. Um, the Calvinist will tell you that persevering means that you have to always keep that in mind. That when you fail to keep that in mind, you are obviously not saved. That's what the Calvinist will teach you. That's what most denominations today will teach you. If you ever forget what good thing it is that God has done for you, I am so glad that my eternal salvation does not rest in my memory. I mean, yeah, I can forget about it. Yeah, I can lose the joy of it. But I can't actually lose it because I wasn't the one that put it there in the first place. God is the one that keeps me saved, not me, in spite of what I remember, in spite of what I say, in spite of what I do. Now, the Calvinist, again, will teach you that, oh, uh, a... Uh, uh, a person who is a true Christian, while they might occasionally fall into sin, they can't stay there. Brethren, I would beg to differ. I think one of God's children can stay there. And they can die there. Because that's what God said you'll do when you get there. And if you stay in it, the wages of sin is death. And you will die in your sins. But as one of God's children, it's not you getting yourself out of your sins that gets you to heaven. It's because Jesus Christ paid the price for you. It's because God chose you and Jesus Christ paid the price for you. And God the Holy Spirit applied that to you. See, all of these things are of God and not of us. And so this, anytime the scripture talks about something that something we do in life, it is a timely timely thing. When we have anything that talks about our, and we were talking about this, Brother Adam and I were, this idea of an understanding. If you have a cognitive understanding of something at any time, that's a timely deliverance. That's a timely saving. When you understand what it is God has done for you, that's timely. Because why? Because you work that out here in time and it's up there in your head. And brothers and sisters, if you don't work to keep it, it'll go away. You can lose that. But eternal salvation is not like that. Eternal salvation is eternal. The Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 7, he says, because uh, this is what time, uh, Perseverance is not. Perseverance does not mean 
that when you get saved that your depraved nature goes away. That just all of a sudden you're no longer a sinner. That's, that's not how salvation works. The Apostle Paul over and over again said he is a sinner saved by grace. Um, they, they, um, the Calvinists argue that teaching anything other than work, maintaining your salvation daily promotes carnal Christianity. Maybe it does. If that's how you want to take this, that's fine. But teaching the truth promotes the truth. And the truth is, whether I fall away or not, if I'm a Christian, it wasn't because I held on. If I'm a child of God, it's not because I held on with everything I could. It's not because I knew him. It's because he knew me. That's the only reason. The Apostle Paul in the seventh chapter of Romans makes that clear to us. He talks about the, that sin nature. It does not go away. Um, verse 14, beginning of that chapter, he says, For we know that what the law, uh, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. He says, For that which I do, I allow not. And this is some odd language, but it's old English, and it he just means that he's he finds himself doing what he doesn't want often. Why does he do that? Because he still has the sin nature with him. Even though he is a child of God, even though he's been delivered from eternal punishment, he still has a sin nature. He says, for that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Now he's kind of separating the two, the new man and the old man. Metaphorically, he's separating the two. But the old man is still inside every one of us. And he will stay there until we die. We do not lose the old sin nature until we lose, until we lay this body down then the old sin nature's gone. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Now he didn't use that in the past tense form. But when he wrote Timothy, he wrote to Timothy and said this. He says, Timothy, this is the faithful saying worthy of all acceptation that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom, and he didn't say was. He says, of whom I am the chief. He thought he was the worst of the worst of the worst. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me, that how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would do, I do not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. It's the sin nature. That's what, that's the issue. You can live in sin, you can fall into sin, a child of God can do the can do all kinds of bad things. It does not indicate whether or not they are a child of God or not. What it indicates is that they are following the old sin nature. It says here in the eighth chapter of that same uh, book, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, 
they are the sons of God. Now, I, I will agree with the Calvinist on this one uh, point. The child of God can and does fall into sin. The Calvinist says he won't enjoy it. The Calvinist continues on that line of thinking and says that he won't stay there because he doesn't enjoy it. I'd say the old carnal Christian just may stay there. I'd say there are times when God stops dealing with him and lets him have what he asks for. I think if you look around in the world today, there are a lot of people in that condition. God has given them what they've asked for. As many as are led. They, Paul doesn't say as many as follow the Spirit of God. It's just led. If you're in that, if you're in the wrong place doing the wrong thing, you will know it as a child of God. All, all of God's children. If you get in the wrong place and you don't know it, then you're probably not a child of God. But knowing it, being notified or told by the Spirit of God, that means that you are a child of God. So perseverance or so perseverance I'll use that term because that's how what they uh, many people today use that phrase and say see you will persevere you will hang on until the very end no brothers and sisters perseverance does not mean you'll hang on until the very end perseverance means that God will keep you you will continue in that's what persevere means continue you will continue in a state of grace now, why do we even need grace if we're not going to sin anymore? Why would we even need grace to begin with? I mean, if, if, if I was just going to persevere and be good the whole rest of my life, I'd just need maybe grace once and then I wouldn't need it anymore. But we need continual grace, daily grace, to live for the Lord. Oh, just going to kind of go through some of these verses, just start the back and go to the, the front and go to the back, um, read about some of these things and just briefly comment. Um, For the Lord will not cast off his people, neither will he forsake his inheritance. This is Psalm 94, 14. The Lord will not cast off his people. The Lord God, the God of the Old Testament is the God that uh, made this uh, arrangement with us that and I'm going to go forward just a little bit and I'll go back one. Uh, Jeremiah says in Jeremiah uh, 32 and 40, he says, this is, the God, this is God speaking, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Everlasting. In other words, I will, I'm going to make this thing that won't ever stop lasting. That's what being preserved really means. Something that won't ever stop lasting. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them and I will not turn away from them to do them good. And I will not turn away from them, comma, to do them good. But I will put my fear in their hearts that they shall not depart from me. Isaiah, uh, there's many, many verses in the book of Isaiah that talk about the fact that Talk about the sovereignty of God. And this is the only way that we can be sure that we can, that we will be preserved is because of, because of who made the declaration that we would be preserved. God de declared that. 
He says in Isaiah chapter 46, verse 10, beginning, declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient of times, the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Calling a ravenous bird from the east and the man that the man uh, that exudeth executeth my counsel from a far country yea I have spoken it I will also bring it to pass I have purposed it I will also do it I'll do it God is that's that's God preserved because God declared we would be preserved because he's the one that does the preserving um, Matthew 1 21 um, Jesus says uh that or the angel says of Jesus that he will save his people from their sins. Not make an attempt, not try, but he will save his people from their sins. The sixth chapter of John's gospel, um, Jesus speaking again, he says, um, Verse 37 beginning, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. All of them shall come. Every single one. All of those. Chapter 10. John chapter 10. When they come, what happens? And again, this is not an outward coming. I think we talked about this in, in the when I talked about irresistible grace. This is the application of grace. The application of God's grace is not a physical coming. It is a spiritual coming. It's when the wind, the Spirit of God, blows upon a, a lifeless dead alien sinner and brings them to life. Uh, when he applies life to them, they have it. Uh, he says, my sheep, this is John chapter 10, verse 27 beginning, my sheep hear my voice, and that's the same uh, calling and the same coming, he says, and, they, and I know them, and they follow me. It's not an outward following, but it is an inward following. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Why shall they never perish? Because they're preserved. They're 100% preserved. They have everlasting life. He says, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Again, that goes right back to the sovereignty of God, the fact that God is sovereign, the fact that God is greater than all. Jesus you know, made that declaration there. God is greater than all. No man is able to pluck them. Uh, no man is able to oppose the will of God. You know, we, we talk about that often, um, but, you know, we don't, we don't allow it to be carried to its logical conclusion. And I know almost all the world doesn't either. They don't allow that to be carried to its logical conclusion. What does it mean that God cannot be opposed? It means that if God desires something, that's exactly what God gets, right? So do we apply that here in time? What we apply in time is, God's sovereign will overshadowing man's uh, desire to do evil. That's what that means. That's what that means. Um, there is nothing we can do 
to separate ourselves from God's love. Paul tells us that in the eighth chapter of the book of Romans. Um, John chapter 17, at the end, when Jesus is there gathered with his disciples and he says this, John 17, I'll start the middle of that first verse. Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy son that thy son also may glorify thee as thou hast given him power over all flesh. How, how much humanity does, does Jesus Christ have power over? All flesh. There's not one outside of his power. There is not one that is outside of his dominion. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Now, those two numbers aren't the same. I don't know how far off they are. It's none of my business. But you look at that, uh, go, go to the book of Revelation, and he tells us that, that God's people, and he gives us some specifics there, are a great number, which no man can number, out of every, out of, and there's the key, out of every uh, people and nation and kindred and tongue. Out of means that there is a subset of the whole. And so the whole would be all flesh, and the out of would be as many as thou hast given him. Jesus does that. Eternal life. So not only does God give us eternal life and make sure that we have it, Jesus is the one that actually executes that eternal life and sees that we have it. Uh, I mentioned the 8th chapter of the book of Romans. Uh, For whom he did foreknow. We, this is one of the verses we, we use often and quoted often. Um, Romans 8 and well, I'll start at 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. All things that work together here, and I think a lot of people misunderstand what is meant by all things. Oftentimes I hear people speak and use this. They are, they are referencing some tragedy that's taken place where some loved one has fallen. Again, that is a misunderstanding of timely events versus eternal things, things that are eternal. Things that happen to us in time cannot prevent God from having his way. If, if our life was uh, lasted one year, it would not affect our eternity. If our life lasts a hundred years, it won't affect our eternity. Nothing that can happen here on earth to us in the span that we have, and God knows the span, but God knows where we live. We live in a place of sin and sorrow. We live in a place where death and disease and destruction happens. But in spite of, and he tells us, he tells us that in verse 36, as it's written, for thy sakes we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. In spite of the fact that we are like sheep that get slaughtered. The slaughter, those that are doing the slaughter, the death, disease, and destruction can't stop us from being with God forever. So the all things that happen to us 
that he's referring to here are all the things that he does for us to see that we get out of this life and into the next one. What are they? For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. And these, if you look at these, these are really those points of doctrine. You can get the points of doctrine, uh, those five points of doctrine that we see, you can get them out of this few verses here. Uh, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, then he also called. Whom he called, then he also justified. And whom he justified, then he also glorified. Notice that when he says that, then he also glorified. He's speaking in the past tense. Glorified, E-D. Like he's already done that. Now, I don't feel very glorified. And I'm certain that I don't look very glorified. But in the eyes of God... If I am a child of God, it is as good as done. Why? Because he said it. Look at Titus, uh, first verse there. Paul says he's writing to Titus. Uh, in hope of eternal life, which God who cannot lie promised before the world began. God can't lie. One, one of the few things God can't do, God, you can sum that up by saying God cannot stop being God. Okay? If God promised us something, we shall surely have it. It's as already as good as done in the eyes of God. It's finished. I mean, you can say that because God is outside of time. He sees the, the beginning and the ending. He doesn't have to wait till he gets there to see what happens because he's the one that declared it. He's declared that we shall reign with him. We shall live with him and we shall. Justified, glorified, and justified. Uh, Philippians, the book of Philippians, and a few more verses here to talk about the certainty of our eternal hope. The certainty. Being confident of this very thing, Paul says. This is Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ Jesus until the day of Jesus Christ. It means that God will preserve you and keep you and protect you and not let anything happen to you until it's time for you to be at home with him. You are sure to go home. You are sure to arrive at home to be with God. First Thessalonians, at the end of that book, the apostle's writing uh, several things and he says... Uh, just he mentions a few things here as he's closing this letter to the church there. He says, rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing. He says, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God and Christ Jesus concerning you. He says, quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying, prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from all appearances of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify you holy not you will but god will you'll sanctify you holy spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless not because you've abstained from all evil i mean that is the command we ought to do that but we can be disobedient and that's just how we are but god will preserve us blameless under the coming of our lord jesus christ blameless Regardless of what I do, 
regardless of what blindness. Um, close with this. Almost the very end of the book, um, the book of Jude, it's a single chapter, uh, but very profound and based on the preservation, uh, based on this doctrine of preservation. I'll put it like that. So Jude begins the, his little book with this. He says, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Preserved, he says, all of those who are preserved in Jesus Christ. That's another reason why I prefer the word preserved over the word persevere. It is a biblical word. Uh, the end of that book, he goes all the way through that and the end of that book and he gives uh, thanks to him that is able, he says there in verse 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. What does that mean to him that is able? Able to do what? To keep you preserved. To keep you in that state of grace until we finally reach home. And he brings us there, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. I hope the Lord helps us to remember that, about that doctrine. And above all the other doctrines, to me this is the most comforting because it, it is the capstone of all the other doctrines. Uh, you, and you can't have the other doctrines without it, and you can't have it without the other doctrines. They all go together. You can't take... Uh, can't pick and choose the ones you like and throw the others away because they all go together. Um, but this one, more than any, um, assures us that regardless of what happens in this life, God will see us through. May the Lord help us remember that. Thank you.